Today's episode of Beyond the Mask is presented by the insurance specialists at BrightThink Wealth Strategies. Find the disability insurance coverage that fits you best right now. Email Robert Smith at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. The show is also made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. Get a free consultation today to be guided through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Just visit crnafinancialplanning.com. We'd also like to thank Helping Hands and OSA EMR for their support of the show. And don't forget, listening to our podcast can earn you Class B credits. For more information on how you can submit them, check out the CE Credit tab on our website, beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Jeremy and I are so excited to speak with Sharon and Jeremy on their podcast, Beyond the Mask. And we want to let everyone know that we're available to provide mini CPCA reviews at your state conference this year. And you know what? We've already done some reviews at several state conferences with a lot of positive feedback. So if you are interested in having Sass and I speak at your state conference, please contact us at info at apexlive.com. Welcome to Beyond the Mask, innovation and opportunities for CRNAs with Jeremy Stanley and Sharon Pierce. We know you spend your day caring for your patient's best interests. On our show, we want to care for you. Join us as we leave the operating room and learn the latest in the CRNA industry. Beyond the Mask starts in 10, 9, 8, 7. Welcome to Beyond the Mask. I'm Jeremy Stanley, and I've been working with CRNAs for over 23 years, and I'm married to one. And my co-host is... Sharon Pierce. Sharon's a practicing CRNA for over 20 years, a past president of the ANA, the NCANA, and she's held many other leadership roles. As usual, our goal with every episode is to educate and enlighten CRNAs, and I think our topic today is definitely going to do that. And Sharon, what time is it? It's time to wake up, Jeremy. I think it is. Sharon, how you doing? I'm doing great. The question is, how are you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing great. You know, this week, uh, actually on vacation, a little vacation, mm-hmm. uh, not too far from home, but down at the, the illustrious Lake Norman area, right outside of Charlotte. and uh, With your in-laws? With the in-laws, yes, yes. All the kids and the in-laws and uh, taking the boat out and, you know, the weather's beautiful and... Uh, Hey, here I am with you, right? Hey, listen, I did it whenever I was down at the beach with the girls, and you'll be all right. Down at the beach with the girls, I saw seven bottles of wine behind you. (laughs) Empty. My kids (laughs) and in-laws. Okay, let's just see. Okay, well, see, that's why you're (laughs) fine doing podcast taping. I'm just taking you away (laughs) from all the fun. You're like Calgon. You take me away. That's it. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Uh, well, I hate we're not in the studio together, but this is the next best thing. COVID has kind of showed us the way, and you know, if, if anything mm-hmm. positive came out of that, we can do this remotely and make it work. And I think it's been a success. And I am so excited about the folks we've got on today. Oh, you're not half as excited as I am, though. Well, you know, I think I am. I mean, you know, I mean, there, there is a guy on the show that just has an amazing name. You know, it's just one of the best names I've ever heard. 
And then <laughs> the other guy has an amazing name as well. And, you know, it just, well, Sharon, do you want to, you want to introduce the folks? So that- well, since, uh, no, you know what? I'm going to let you, since you are so enthralled with the names. Wow. You, you never let me introduce the people, but I appreciate it. <laughs> no, right. You know? Okay. So today on the podcast, we have Jeremy. What a great name, Sharon. <laughs> you know, I mean, I just had to stop for a minute. Jeremy, are you there? I'm here. Yeah. Okay. No, I, uh, Jeremy. Hey, I'm right here. <laughs> I love your name. I, I love you too, man. I love you, man. We love you, man. Jer- Jeremy squared. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And it's Heiner, right? Jeremy Heiner. Yep. Jeremy Heiner. All right. Okay. So we don't have the last name, but the first name is, is amazing. We're, we're glad you're here with us, Jeremy. And then Sass Alicia. Right? Is that that's you, right. Yeah, that's a unique one. That is a unique one. But but Sass, the reason I love your name is because it reminds me so much of my co-host. Ah, sassy. There you go. There you go. Sass and Jeremy. I mean, it's almost like we could name our podcast that, Sharon. Well, there are certain days. Uh, well, guys. I am super excited, and I'm going to tell everybody why I'm so excited. I listened to their podcast, and so we thought it would be great to get them on our podcast, and we could talk about theirs, and hopefully more of our listeners, if you're not aware of Jeremy and Sass's podcast, will go there and start listening to it, because it's fantastic and so helpful. So guys, I will, all right, Jeremy, not my Jeremy, the other Jeremy, (laughs) why don't you start and tell us a little bit about yourself and both y'all can tell about your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you, Sharon. So I'm Sasa's Jeremy. (laughs) Sharon's Jeremy. Yeah. All right. Sass, tell them about our podcast. Yeah. So Jeremy and I have been doing a (laughs) podcast for in July, uh, next month is going to be two years. And we kind of came up with the idea because we wanted to provide education for anyone who wanted to listen, up-to-date things, clinically relevant things. And, you know, so we didn't have, we didn't want to charge people. So people could listen at their own pace and it was free. So it's kind of a, something that we love to do, which is educating others. And we decided to do it together. And so far, so good. And we're really enjoying it. And we're hoping people do also. Sass, I appreciate that because, you know, people can listen at their own pace to your podcast. And, you know, people can listen at their own risk to ours. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Well, you know, people can get Class B credits from your podcast. Exactly. So that's a good thing. I hounded NBCRNA relentlessly to add podcast in. And I swear to God, I think they just said yes, just so that I would go away. <laughs> well, we, we thank you for your for your hounding. Yes. Because you know what? All the CRNAs out there, they're working so hard and, you know, they're driving. A lot of them are driving a, a certain amount of time, long periods of time. And so, you know, why not pop on a podcast and get some CEs while you're driving? Absolutely. We love it. So both of you guys are educators? Yep. We're both educators here in Southern California. I've been with our program since 1996. 
actually Jeremy was one of my students a long, long time ago. Wow. All kinds of, all kinds of incriminating stories to tell. Oh, oh yeah, no, I, I really made him work. No question. But over the last two years, what we've done is teamed up with the guys at Apex, Danny Frasca, Kevin Baker, and we came up with Apex Live Anesthesia Reviews. And that's what we've been working on along with the podcast. Yep. So the podcast is called Apex Live. Mm -hmm. It's an anesthesia podcast. And, you know, a lot of the CRNAs out there, they already know about Apex Anesthesia Review. You know, students, they use Apex to study for their NCE board review. And Apex Live is for CRNAs. It's for people who are out there, they need CEs, they need to take the CPC review, the CPC assessment, and the exam, and they need a review class. And the story goes as how we developed the podcast. And we originally didn't decide on developing a podcast, we were just going to do Apex Live. But I was in the mountains of Southern California, and I was by myself, it was early morning, like 6am. And I was on a trail run. And all of a sudden, it hit me. It's like, why don't we do a podcast? And I love listening to podcasts. I've been listening to you guys' podcasts for years. I've listened to other podcasts. And it hit, just hit me. Why don't we do a podcast, Sass? And I remember texting him that morning. I said, hey, I've got an idea. Can you meet for breakfast? And we met for breakfast. We talked about it. And that's how it happened. That's awesome. Sounds almost like ours, Sharon. That's kind of mm-hmm. so. So tell us a little bit about you know uh, again me being an outsider. You know uh, the CPC has obviously been a point of contention, especially with CRNAs who are a little more distinguished out there. Um, but it seems like oh, guys, I like that. You guys are making this easy for folks. Why don't you talk about kind of what you're doing and kind of the reasonings behind it, real quick? Yeah, sure. So. You know, Jeremy and I want it, my Jeremy and, and I, <laughs> you know, we, we try to do adult education different. Adults are motivated to learn what they believe is useful, what they can use in practice. So, you know, I've been that those guys, girls that have stood up at the ANA meetings and other meetings and talked about one subject for an hour and got really down into the nitty gritty. And then the next day, you forget it. You don't remember what you learned, or even if you remembered it the next day, you don't remember past that time. So what we're doing is taking foundational information, and we're trying to make it contextual, meaning reality-based, not just in isolation. And I'll give you an example of that in a second. We're really striving to get people to understand the material and not just memorization. So Sharon, you remember when you were studying for your NCE exam, how you, you know, all anesthesia students study minutia, that some of it is never going to apply or you're never going to use clinically, but you had to do it. We're trying to take some of that out of it and pin the foundational, the basics, the foundational principles to what applies in the operating room. We are trying to use a concept called interleaving as compared to block practice. And what interleaving is, is using multiple subjects or topics in a case study fashion. So something that's reality-based as compared to block learning, which is learning one thing. So let me give you an example. 
Block learning would be an example of we're going to talk about aortic stenosis and we're going to talk about everything related to that as compared to interleaving where we can put aortic stenosis in with the patient's history that's having a carotid end arterectomy. And we can also talk about pharmacology in relation to the case and aortic stenosis. And just so you know, when you go to the NBCRNA website and look at the CPCA assessment outline, both of those topics are on the outline. Another thing we're trying to do is active learning, which is hard virtually, but we've been doing it pretty successfully. We're integrating trigger films, we're doing questions and answers, differential diagnosis, scenario-based, we're doing checklists, test-taking strategies. So we're really mixing it up to keep people engaged, not just, oh, this is another 20 CEU course that I'm sitting in and really not learning anything. And then last, repetition, repetition, repetition. Mm -hmm. I think the first time I ever saw you, SAS, you were doing some of your, showing some of your trigger videos in a, a lecture somewhere talking about learning. It must have been at the, what is it now? It's the ACDC or whatever conference yeah. with the educators. And that's how I first met you some time ago. We won't tell them how long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the trigger films are clinically relevant and they depict a problem in the operating room, which every CRNA and student can identify with. Well, what I love about how you're doing this is, is it's truly clinically relevant because as you talked about aortic stenosis, all of those things come into play because you really have a real patient. Yeah. So that's one reason why I love that. I also love on your podcast how y'all do look at the questions themselves. And we'll go deeper into what you do on your podcast with your questions. But I find that extremely helpful as someone who's not been an educator before. So it makes me critically look at the questions. And that's helped me a lot too. Yes. CRNAs are used to doing anesthesia, not looking at taking a, an assessment and looking at questions and answers. That for most of us is long gone. But a lot of the information is still there. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. Well, the other thing that I like too is I feel like you instill some confidence in your skill set because as you guys talk, you let people know that they have this information already in their heads. And so I think that's helpful and taking some of the, the fear out of this upcoming assessment that we're all going to have to take and I'm going to have to take in the next cycle here. <laughs> Can I, can I build a little bit on that? Because that's an important point, I think. Please. So as your Jeremy had suggested, this has been a reality for quite some time, but now it's coming to fruition. And very soon the NBCRNA is going to release the dates in terms of when people can take that exam. Um, it's going to be within the next two years for sure. CRNAs remember taking the NCE and what do we do with students? We nail into them. From the time they start, you're going to be taking this test, and everything that you do depends on you passing this test. It's an incredible amount of anxiety. Also, for a CRNA who passed the test, has been practicing and doing unbelievable work in the community, taking care of patients, to say, oh, let's go back and 
talk about details that you may have forgotten or not clinically relevant anymore, it's incredibly anxiety provoking. So our story really quickly, Jeremy and I took the CPCA, we actually took it together. We didn't take it together together. We took it at the same time. Okay. I was wondering if y'all cheated. No, no, you (laughs) can't do that. This was right before COVID. And we went to a testing center. And Sass is going to tell you what happened. Yeah. But we, we literally arrived at the testing center together. And then they put us in a room to take that test. Yeah. And, you know, I, I haven't taken a test since I took my boards. So it's all, everything is all high security now. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. so you empty out all your pockets, you put them in a locker and you walk back. And the woman that was checking me in before she let me into the testing room, she asked me to turn out my pockets. And I was stunned. You know, because he's so suspect. Right, <laughs> like, we we gotta question this guy. Yeah, that's right. They stop you on the way out of Walmart to look at your receipts all the time, too. Right? I just I just look guilty, I guess. Hey, hey, just see if you had toilet paper if you paid for it. Right, right. Hey, I've got fifty rolls of toilet paper in my house. <laughs> I know where to come to next pandemic. Hey, hey, but that act time. of her doing, I wasn't nervous. I I wasn't nervous until that, but as soon as you said that to me, it made me really, really nervous. And every CRNA that's going to be taking that is going to be nervous. What Jeremy and I say is, you know, we say to our colleagues, we're just going to dust off the cobwebs. All the information is there. We're just going to move it back so that you can retrieve it and make it retrievable knowledge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, hey, Sass, I was going to tell you, the last time I went to one of those places and took a exam was it's been a couple of years now but you know i go in and I, I usually wear a suit to work every day and you know, i had a suit on and a tie and you know she's like all right pull out your pant pockets I'm, I'm like okay whatever and then she's she said can you pull your pant legs up oh. she made me pull my pant legs up you know and she looked at my socks and and everything and she said do you have any weapons and I mean, I was stunned. I said, I in said, my car. I said, um, <laughs> I said, I have several, but they're not with me right now. And she was joking. You know, she was joking. She was, cause I was like, she was out. wanting to see if you had a concealed weapon, Jeremy. <laughs> Just in case you got upset with the test, huh? <laughs> I guess so, but I can totally relate. I mean, yeah. <laughs> You re- when you walk into a testing center, you realize who's in charge yes, and it's do. not you. No. Yeah. yeah. You know, I don't remember. Well, whenever it was still pen to paper, whenever I took the original exam and they only offered it twice a year. <laughs> but I don't remember the security being like that. Yeah. Yes, it wasn't. But it is now. Yeah, and that was now. back in the day they, they still had paper. I mean, you know, we're, we're long gone from that now. We don't even have well, I know when my daughter took the bar, if you had a jacket, you had to take your jacket off or you had to get it approved. And if you got cold, that was just too bad. You couldn't take anything wow. else in that was not approved. I guess lawyers really cheat. I don't know. It was pretty intense <laughs> whenever she took the bar. So, so guys, How can you get cold taking a, a high stakes test? Like yeah, that? right. 
Right. You guys also use laughter in a lot of the stuff you do. And kind of, to me, it it eases people and it kind of makes them open. You want to talk about that a little bit as well? Yeah, sure. So, you know, Jeremy and I are kind of hams too, and we like to make people laugh. CRNAs are so type A. Sharon, you can Mm -hmm. certainly relate. Jeremy and I can. We're such serious people because it's the nature of the, the work that we do. We try to make people laugh when we're talking to them in order to break things up. It's a little bit of a mental respite. Jeremy and I both, you know, our advanced degrees are in education. And there's actually some theory behind laughter. And I won't bore your guests. I'll just say really quickly. They believe that laughter increases catecholamines. Catecholamines is what has been shown to imprint information on neurons so that you can more easily and readily bring that information up when you need it. It's also fun. Life is too short, and there's only so many ways that you can make anesthesia information sexy. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I use humor a lot whenever I lecture, but the reason why I do it is because the average attention span is eight minutes. The last time I looked at it, it's probably shorter than that now. And so after a while, people just start wondering, and what is it? A man thinks about sex every three minutes. So you really have very little time to get information. in. You got to do something to distract people. But I absolutely appreciate what you're saying. I think that makes a great deal of sense to me. I didn't know the catacol piece. So I'll steal that going forward. (laughs) No problem. So Sharon, are you saying that at an eight minute attention span, a man is thinking about sex twice during that time period? Well, why don't you answer me? I mean, I'm just wondering, you know, I haven't done the research, you know. I- oh, well, I'm just wondering about you. I got three men on here. I'm- <laughs> I would say at least five times. Okay, there you go. <laughs> you know, my wife is a little younger than me, Sharon, so I might think about it, you know, once a minute or something. You know, I don't know. <laughs> well, I kind of just want to piggyback on what Sass was saying. And, uh, you know, we, we've all probably sat through lectures where we've just been talked at and you know, you see the topic, you go and you sit down, you get your iPhone ready, you let them introduce themselves. They, they start the presentation and then about five minutes in, I'm going to check my email. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to, then I'm going to check my Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. And I'm going to tweet sitting in a lecture. It's boring as you know, Mm -hmm. on a beep here. Right. Sass and I, we want to engage learners. We want to have fun. We know that people get bored real fast. You got to keep them engaged. You have to. And that's why we've done a whole series on trigger films. And Sharon, you know, you talked about the trigger films that you saw back at the uh, ACDE. Uh, Back then it was assembly school faculty. And, you know, we showed several trigger films. And I will tell you, When Sass and I were initially talking, we looked out at the audience and we kind of had some engagement, but a lot of people were looking at their phones. This was back in 2014. As soon as we started playing those trigger films on the screen, Mm -hmm. every single person looked up at the screen because people like watching videos. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's real. It's real. And we tried to construct these trigger films. So a trigger film is just a a clinical vignette of 
what we've experienced and what we have talked about others experiencing in a clinical scenario. It's a brief clinical vignette about anywhere from 30 seconds to four minutes long. And it depicts a clinical situation where somebody's having some type of critical event. And people pay attention to that because all of us are worried about what's our next critical event in anesthesia because we have them all the time. Even though a lot of times we manage them very well and very easily. For example, insufflation, somebody has hypotension. Boom. I tell the surgeon to stop insufflating. I give ephedrine, no problem. But a new nurse anesthetist who experiences that may not understand all those principles. Mm -hmm. So we show that and we show other clinical vignettes and it brings everything to the forefront of somebody's mind and it gets people thinking and it creates engagement in the learner. Right. I mean, they can totally relate to that scenario. So therefore they're paying attention. Exactly. Paying attention. That's what it boils down to for sure. Have you thought about what would happen if you weren't able to work for two or three years? You know, on average, 25% of people will file a disability claim, and most of us aren't prepared for that loss of income. Every CRNA needs to protect their biggest asset, yourself and your ability to earn with a disability insurance policy. We recommend contacting Robert Smith, a master disability insurance specialist with more than 30 years of experience and 1,800 CRNA clients to find the coverage that fits you best. The best way to do that is to send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. So you guys are educators, but you also do these Apex Live events, right? You want to talk about those for just a minute? Yeah, yeah. No, I'd love to talk about those. So as SAS mentioned earlier, Apex Live, how that developed was SAS and I, and SAS is an editor on nurse anesthesia. And now I'm an editor on the textbook nurse anesthesia, which is one of the core textbooks that's used throughout all the nation. Nagelhout, John Nagelhout was the initial editor on that book. And SAS and I have teamed up with him to carry that work forward. And he met Kevin Baker and Danny Frasca from Apex Anesthesia mm-hmm. Review. And he said, you know what? And he, he, he got me involved and he said, you know what? We want to provide CRNA education. How about we team up and we provide an in-person review course for the CPC assessment? And they loved the idea. We got together. We created Apex Live. The whole live portion signifies, hey, we're doing it live in person. Mm -hmm. COVID happened and we audibled and we started doing it virtually. But we have live events coming up in 2022. For this whole 2021 year, we've done four virtual events. We've got another two virtual events, one in July and one in October. And we're going to continue with the virtual and the in-person. We know people want to get together. They want to learn. And SAS and I, again, we love education. We both have educational doctorates. We just are super passionate about educating all of our CRNA colleagues. Guys, how many in-person events do you typically do? Obviously, pre-COVID and maybe post-COVID now. 
how many around the country events have you been doing? Well, we were actually scheduled to do one in April of last year, right before COVID, and that didn't happen. We're planning two live events next year. As Jeremy said, my Jeremy, we audibled because we couldn't, and we had a course, and we wanted to provide it to people. Not only is it for the CPCA, but it's also for CEUs also. So we started doing it virtually, and actually, it's been doing really well. It's been received very well. And, you know, people have been signing up and we're starting to generate some buzz. But he and I are used to standing up in front of people and talking. There's just something about making a personal connection with people that really, really, you know, the old saying, um, people won't remember what you said. They won't remember what you did, but they will remember how you made them feel. And I think that's a big part of education and how to do it successfully. Absolutely. Maya Angelou. Exactly right. Good for you. Who, is who said that. Yay! Yay, I got one right. <laughs> Maya Angelou is, uh, lived here in Winston-Salem where my office is. So used to actually see her out a lot. It was a wonderful lady. So, How long are these these seminars that you guys are doing? Give us some more de- deets, as they say these days. Yeah. So for the virtual conferences, we have both three-day so end of the week, you know, we, we know CRNAs are busy. They're working in the OR. They're on the bag. So we have three-day conferences, both Friday afternoon, Saturday, Sunday. We have four-day conferences, Wednesday through Saturday, with the majority, when this is virtual, the majority is just online learning. You watch videos, and then the last day, there is five hours of virtual learning where Sauce and I will pop on. We'll do several presentations. We'll answer questions. And that's kind of how the virtual conference is going. The in-person, the in-person conference is going to happen in the spring of 2022. The first one, we also will will have a fall 2022 conference. And that will be a four-day conference as well, where part of the day is going to be learning There'll be lectures, there'll be hands-on, there'll be simulation, there'll be task training. And then in the end, we'll do questions, we'll do Q&A, and it will just be kind of a smorgasbord of learning philosophy together where we just want to have a great time. There will also be destination-type conferences. Yeah. So this is where people could go on vacation. All those people who live in states where it snows, you know, I'm from Utah originally, where mm-hmm. six months out of the year, it snows in the spring. I want to go somewhere where it's sunny and it's warm and there's a beach. So we're going to have places for people to go. Hey, you know, Jeremy, that to me spells tax deduction. Okay. <laughs> Just so you know. Why not? Like. Well, for all our, our 1099s out there, especially tax deduction. And I think that's great that you're you're able to use your educational credits. A lot of I was gonna a, say, a lot yeah. of employers give educational credits. Use them. Why not? Use yeah. them. They're free. Go someplace, go someplace fun for sure. Now, one more question. I'm sorry, my Jeremy. That's all right. You keep taking my questions. The last time we had the exact same question. Well, this one, time. this one you won't have, I guarantee you. And if you do, you win. But is all of your questions that you guys come up with and they're crosswalk to the blueprint 
for the exam. That's exactly Did, correct. Was that your question, my Jeremy? Well, Sharon, what I was going to ask was, <laughs> I'm assuming that all this, you guys have some insight of what's going to be on that exam. And so if you've got CRNAs out there, like I'll just, my Sarah, my wife is a CRNA, um, you know, and she's now doing independent contractor work and she's no longer going to the big trauma centers and, you know, she doesn't do a lot of peds and she feels uncomfortable when she goes into a ped situation. What I'm hearing you say, and it sounds like what you guys have built is a platform where those CRNAs that don't do that can at least bring that knowledge base back up to where they can pass this exam with confidence. And, and that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, 100%. We know that CRNAs are out there and they're doing what they should be doing. They're working in the OR and they're providing excellent care to all of the U.S. population. And that's exactly what we want people to be doing. Now, we also know that taking a CPC assessment exam can be somewhat daunting. And, you know, it's not the NCE, it's not the national certification exam, but it's still an exam. It's still an assessment. And as CRNAs, we're all type A, right? We all want to do the very best we can do. So we want to help people succeed. We want to help CRNAs succeed when they take this exam. And again, SAS and I both have educational doctorates. This is our bailiwick. This is what we do. This is what we want to do. We want to help CRNAs succeed yeah. in this exam. Yeah, and that's a different path from a lot of CRNAs. I mean, not all CRNAs out there are academics. I mean, you know, there's still CRNAs out there who, you know, don't have a master's. And, you know, there was a, I guess it was a diploma type program. There's still some of those folks around who are probably pretty intimidated by this. So I, I think it's great what you guys are doing. You know what I think we ought to do is, is maybe give some examples of some of the questions that could potentially present themselves on the exam. What do you, is that okay with you guys? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we were waiting for you to ask this and you know, SAS and I still, we still work clinical anesthesia. So we still are in the OR. We're still on the bag and both of us have developed. We've been asking, I worked on a test writing committee for the MBCRNA for years. And so we know what goes and SAS has been writing questions for students for years. We know what goes into writing questions. Yeah. And Jeremy, fire away, man. Hey, I've Let's got a, I got a quick question. You, you said we're still, your we're still on the bag. Does that, are you talking about like the Ambu bag? Is that it? <laughs> oh, the <laughs> anesthesia bag, Jeremy. Sharon knows. Ambu. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I yeah. got this, man. I, I mean, I'm picking up on this. Uh, you know what? You, you got this. Yeah. I'm picking up what you're laying down, Jeremy Squared. I got this for you, man. <laughs> Oh my God. All right. My Jeremy, yes. we're going to let you read the first question right, that they provided so for us. Roll right here. All right. You ready, Sharon? I, I am wanna, always I want to see if Sharon can answer this one, guys. <laughs> I can answer this, uh, this one, I think. <laughs> right. Damage to which nerve can cause vocal cord paralysis? All right. You ready? Okay, well, they, give the four options, uh, Sass. Okay. But we'll let him, because we'll I Sass think that some of this you can't read. <laughs> uh, I can, hey, I can make words up like nobody's business, Sharon. I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, Sass, go All ahead. right. So, yeah, so the answers are A, the recurrent laryngeal nerve, B, superior to the laryngeal, C, pharyngeal plexus, or D, cricothyroid. I answer A, the recurrent that's, laryngeal. That's right. Nailed it. So that's actually right in the NBC RNA CPCA assessment document there in terms of what could be on the exam. So we also break down questions. And I always say, if you had no idea what the answer would be, and you're talking about vocal cord paralysis, you should always choose recurrent laryngeal nerve. Mm -hmm. The reason that one's right is because the RLN, recurrent laryngeal nerve, it innervates the posterior and the lateral cricoretinoid cartilages and allows the cords to open and close. Now, the other nerve, superior laryngeal nerve, the external branch only innervates the cricothyroid muscle. So it doesn't have anything to do with opening and closing the cords. Someone shouldn't have vocal cord paralysis. If we go down to D, and look at D, the question asks, and we're very big into what does the question ask? It asks damage to which nerve? Cricothyroid is not a nerve, it's a muscle. Mm-hmm. So the superior laryngeal nerve in B innervates the cricothyroid muscle. That's the vocal cord tensor. It alters pitch. It's also called a singer's muscle. And then C is just a classic distractor, pharyngeal plexus. It's the pharyngeal plexus, it's a network of nerve fibers innervating most of the palate and the pharynx, it's a complete distractor. So Sharon, you're awesome. You got one right. This is why I love listening to y'all's podcast, because you break all of these questions down. And so before we go forward, why don't you talk about the four different domains that will be on the test? Thank you, dear. You want to go? You want to do oh, that? Oh, yeah. No. So this was an example of a question from the airway management domain. And, and as you mentioned, Sharon, there's four domains. So airway management is the first domain. There's also the applied clinical pharmacology domain, the human physiology and pathophysiology domain, and then finally, anesthesia equipment, technology, and safety domain. So we love to ask questions from each of those, these domains. All right, Sharon, Very why don't nice. take number two here? Are you going to read that or are they going to read no, you're that gonna question? Read it. You're gonna I'm going to read, yeah. read it. Okay. I know you know um, the words. I'm just interested to see if you can say them in that Southern twang. <laughs> okay. Love so love <laughs> this is from the applied clinical pharmacology domain. So shortly after injecting 60 milliliters of 0.25% bupivacaine for a bilateral serratus anterior nerve block, your patient experiences a blood pressure of 69 over 35. Cardiac dysrhythmias and a metallic taste in her mouth. What is the most effective initial intervention? A, epinephrine 100 mic bolus. B, magnesium 2 grams IV over 10 minutes. C, intralipid 20%, 100 mLs IV infusion, and D, vasopressin, four units IV bolus. Sharon, I know this one. I know you're shocked, but I can answer this one. 
I bet you can because this has been a topic of yeah. some of it's, yeah. It's the intralipid twenty percent one hundred mL IV infusion. I think it's C. I Am I correct, right. Jeremy Square? Yeah. Straight now, up, Jeremy, now, you're making me proud, man. Thank you, man. You are making hey, me all right. proud. Now let me let me go through my what I think as I would be reading this. Okay. Yeah. Epinephrine, 100 mic bolus. Well, you know, you're thinking blood pressure, but you've got cardiac dysrhythmia. So I wouldn't think that that would be the answer, right? Mag just seems like something that's thrown in there, but I would have to stop and think for a second. <laughs> and vasopressin, I mean, God, it's, it's, out of ever, it's out of favor for everything anymore, practically. So intralipids. But I mean, I think educationally, they've been doing a really good job. A lot of lectures about intralipids. So what else would I have needed to have thought about in that? You're spot on. You are spot on with the intralipid. Now, what some people might not be aware of is this whole 100 milliliters IV infusion, right? right? Because what we learned, what we learned in anesthesia school was a different dose. It was a milliliter per kilogram dose. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, how often do we face a local anesthetic systemic toxicity situation? It's pretty rare, right? Yeah, I haven't it's seen it. It's been real rare for so, me, Jeremy Squared. You know, I learn I learn it for boards. And after that, unless it's on a checklist somewhere or in a book that I'm carrying around, I'm not going to remember that dose unless I'm, you know, super duper smart, which, you know, I know a lot of our CRNAs are. Mm-hmm. But the previous dose was if, if the patient is any kilogram dose, it would be 1.5 milliliters per kilogram. IV bolus, and then 0.25 milliliters per kilogram per minute of ideal body weight infusion. Oh my God. Yeah. So who's going to remember that, right? I know whenever it's hitting the fan, (laughs) you know, there's a reason why all the drugs come in a dose. (laughs) Exactly. You know what? So what, what the association of regional anesthesia has done is they simplified it. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know what? Just give a hundred milliliters of twenty percent lipid infusion, and the lipid infusion that comes and it's in your cart, it's in your crash cart or whatever. It's twenty percent. Mm-hmm. Just give a hundred milliliters if you have a last event. Now, if your patient is less than seventy kilograms, less than seventy kilograms. So this is a small patient. Yeah, you don't find those anymore. So yeah, <laughs> then they recommend the 1.5 milliliter per kilogram bolus dose. Now, one thing that Sass and I wanted to bring up to you guys is that, and we haven't talked about it yet, we've developed crisis checklists, Apex Live crisis checklists, mm-hmm. and one of our checklists is a local anesthetic systemic toxicity checklist. We have about 20 of them on our website, www.apexlive.com backslash podcast. And you go there, you put in your email, we'll send you the checklists. There's 20 of them. They're for free. And one of them is the local anesthetic systemic toxicity or last checklist. It has all these doses on it. Oh, a freebie. How cool. I love it. Yeah. We're big into checklists. And we wanted to help people help patients 
uh, that was our only reason for doing that. So we want them to be available to anybody who wants them. Oh, that is super nice. Okay, listeners, you'll have to remember that. Go and get your free checklists. Yeah, they're smart and nice guys. I mean, I know. Great combination. <laughs> thank you, Jeremy. We love you too. You, thank you, I guys. thought you were the only person like that, my Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to do this one, Sharon. I think I can do this next one. Okay, so, I think you can do it. Okay. Aortic valve closure signals the onset of this phase of the cardiac cycle. A, systolic ejection. B, isovolumetric contraction. C, isovolumetric relaxation. Or D, diastolic filling. Sharon, what's your answer? You know, I have to think hard about this whole cardiac cycle and Sandy Marie would shoot me because this is her, this is her jam. <laughs> what is it? And Sandy's she, jam? She oh yeah. But I mean, seven, she, you know. you know, she was a cardiac CRNA when oh, she I gave anesthesia. Oh, mm-hmm. Yes. And whenever she taught this in school, I mean, this is her jam. So I have to think about it. And so I am going to go with isovolumetric relaxation because it's based on when the heart has stopped and not stopped, but is in, is relaxing. It's, am I right? Where, <laughs> where am I going with this? Help me. You are right. That's a hard, this is a really hard question. Yeah. And if we, in our course, I would describe this to everybody related, looking at a a diagram. I think it's much easier to understand when you can see it. And we do that a lot in our course. So you are exactly right. A question about the cardiac cycle, totally a possibility in applied anatomy and physiology. So let's go back to the question. Aortic valve closures, the aortic valve is closed. Systole has just occurred. So systolic ejection is not the answer. Systolic ejection occurs when the aortic valve, of course, is open. Next, isovolumetric contraction. Isovolumetric contraction is a change in pressure, not a change in volume. So there's no blood that's being ejected. The heart is just tensing in order to increase the pressure to then open the aortic valve and then to eject the blood. So both of those right off the bat, you eliminated because you were able to identify that systole was not part of that relaxation was as the aortic valve closes. So isovolumetric contraction. So systole ends when the aortic valve closes and the mitral valve opens and diastolic filling occurs. So you're exactly correct. And then last, diastolic filling is from the time the mitral valve opens until the mitral valve closes. And that's not, that's part of, that's part of diastole, but not isovolumetric relaxation. You know what y'all need to do on your little freebie thing is to do a little cartoon video of the whole cardiac cycle with you guys talking over it. <laughs> I mean, truly. Oh, 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 Sharon, Sharon, I'm telling you, if, if somebody comes and takes, if, if any of the CRNAs listening come and take our course, they will literally see SAS dressing up in a heart costume. Yeah. Doing oh my kind gosh. Of wow. Yeah. Oh no, it's that. You got to send me a picture of that. <laughs> yeah. I begrudgingly will. 
Yeah, we do. We, we explain shock in costumes. We look at how to do uh, an awake intubation by allowing Jeremy to intubate himself awake. He does that. You get to see Jeremy's vocal cords, his carina. It's just totally amazing. So we try to spice it up a little bit. So yes, the cardiac cycle, maybe we could do some costumes for that. But yes, we try to, we try to be engaging. Uh, well, that would be so helpful because that's kind of hard. I mean, some people catch on to that, to mechanical people. But anyway. Jeremy, I think we must be brothers from another mother because I used to use that in a lot of my talks. I, you know, I would say, um, you know, I really do think I could intubate myself. I mean, I really think that, that I can do it. And my wife was like, you're so stupid. You should never say that. <laughs> you know, you're talking to a bunch of anesthesia professionals and you have just proved, Jeremy, that I am not stupid and it can be done, but only by Jeremy's. No, only by Jeremy's. Yeah, yes. I 100% agree. I love this. If you're at the national meeting, Jeremy, yes. we will intubate you. Uh, let's do this. All right. Let's do it. All right. Oh, my God. You got to have sprayed yourself up so much that you're just drooling all over yourself, right? <laughs> well, that's funny because the very first time that we did this, Sass and I, I probably intubated myself at least a couple dozen times by now. Um, <laughs> wow. But the first time we did it, Sass. You know, that's exactly what you want to hear from a guest. I've intimated myself several dozen times. Oh, Jeremy, you have got to be a fun date. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I, I do weekend, uh, weekend uh, parties. And parties. I was going to say, yeah, the Oh, parties. my God. I need you at my like. next dinner party. <laughs> But no, the, the, the first time we did this, we had just got a, a glide scope in. This was probably like 2009. And Sass dared me. He dared me. Oh, my God. Uh, uh, Sass, don't you know you're Jeremy any better than that? He, he straight up double dog dared I, I, I didn't think he was that crazy, but he obviously is. I uh, and a double dog dare at that, you know. Don't dare yeah. him. You never yeah. know what's going to happen. It's not a triple dog dare. It only took a double dog dare. Oh. Wow. Wow. So. You just wait wait until we see you in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond the Mask is made possible by the team at CRNA Financial Planning. With almost two decades of experience, the firm guides CRNAs through the complexities of investing and financial planning. Schedule a free consultation today by calling 855-304-3748 or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com. All right, let's do one more question here. You've got us hooked. So we'll do one on anesthesia equipment, technology, and safety. So which pressure system extends from the oxygen e-cylinder to the pressure gauge regulator just prior to the anesthesia gas machine? Boy, this brings up a lot of memories. A, the high pressure system. B, intermediate pressure system. C, low pressure system. Or D, the scavenging system. See, now I work in office-based anesthesia. Some places our scavenging system was just taking the hose and laying it outside the window. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> Pushing it outside somewhere, right? <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Not anymore, but in the beginning. <laughs> yep, yep. 
you know, and Sharon, you are absolutely right. So the whole anesthesia equipment, technology and safety and the anesthesia gas machine, you know, in school, we learn this, we learn it for mm-hmm. boards, but then, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 years out, we're not thinking about this stuff anymore. Right. Well, the other thing the is these, these gas machines now are actually, they scare me more because you can't see anything. I mean, they do their own checks. They do everything. You know, I still use the old Omeda gas machines I use from school in offices, or we use field gas machines, field Draker gas machines. And so kind of freaks me out these new ones. <laughs> yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. And you're not alone. And, you know, in our course, we go over some of these concepts and just to break this question down. So we have, again, we're talking about the e-cylinder, right? Mm-hmm. So these are the, the tanks on the back of the mm-hmm. and what's really important. If there's an emergency, we don't care about nitrous. We don't care about air. What we care about is oxygen, right? Mm-hmm. We want that one to work. We want that e-cylinder to work. So what we need to remember as CRNAs is that within that cylinder, that's a high pressure cylinder, right? Anything before the regulator is going to be high pressure in that cylinder. Mm-hmm. Once it passes that cylinder regulator, then it becomes an intermediate pressure. Yeah. Now, so that's the answer. A high pressure system. If we're talking about E cylinder, it's a high pressure system. That's the answer. Boom. Okay. Now we have intermediate, low, and scavenging system. Well, scavenging system, that's just a distractor. The intermediate pressure system, there's two of them. One comes from the wall. And I think most of our listeners will probably remember that's 50 PSI. We plug it into the wall. Great. As long as the wall pressure is working, the hospital oxygen system is working, we got 50 PSI. What may be lesser known is that that regulator from the e-cylinder actually decreases the pressure to 45. So it's a lower pressure. And that's deliberate because if that tank is left open, yeah, we would rather have oxygen coming from the hospital than from that e-cylinder and wasting that e-cylinder gas. So it's a lower pressure, so it doesn't use that pressure. Oh and my gosh, cool. I don't think I knew that. Yeah, there you go. There <laughs> or you maybe go. I didn't remember that. Maybe both I those, knew it once. Yep, both of those from the wall, from the regulator, the tank regulator are both intermediate. And then the low pressure, this just extends from the flow meters to the common gas outlet. So anything between the flow meter, common gas outlet, that's low pressure. But the answer to this question from the E-cylinder, this is a high pressure cylinder, high pressure system. Wow. Wow. So so guys, I got a real quick question. You know, and I know the exam is is not out yet, right? But are there going to be, do you think they're going to be questions? Because some people could still feel intimidated. I mean, even Sharon, who's as smart as she is, just said, I don't think I know that. You know, and if people are listening to this, do you think the questions are going to be pretty straightforward as I listen to you? You know, you, you evaluate it. It's almost like when I take a test, you know, I go through and I say, that can't be right. Uh, that's a possibility that these two seem like they could be. And I use deductive reasoning and, you know, but the questions that get me are the ones that go, oh, could be A and D, uh, B only, C and A. Are there mm. going to be any questions like that you think on this exam? Or is it going to be pretty straightforward like we're representing today? Yeah. So a couple things. 
First thing, we don't know what's going to be on the exam. The exam is going to change. It's going to be like the NCE where item writers are continually writing questions and then they're going to be assessing them, changing some of them, throwing some of them out. And that's going to be a continuous process. The CPC questions, some of them are choose two. So there is some of that. Okay. They're going to be, and this is not just, this is on the NBCRNA website. It's supposed to be scenario based. So not, but not every question will be scenario based. It's supposed to be practical information, but sometimes what a clinical CRNA believes is practical and an educator or a test writer decides is practical aren't the same thing. So, you know, Jeremy and I have been doing, you know, anesthesia education for a long time. There are only a certain number of questions that you could possibly write. So the important topics continue to come up as these are the things that you should know. The point is, is that the answer is on the test. There is a correct answer. And if we give you the confidence to be able to answer questions, to be able to analyze it, break it down, like you said, use deductive reasoning to say, this is the best answer. These are distractors. This one's kind of good, but this is the best one. That's certainly what we want. Well, the other thing I like about y'all's podcast is you get to the right answer and I gain information by learning about the right answer, but I also gain information about the wrong answers. So really and truly, it's a double whammy. I'm learning much more because you explain why these are wrong. So you still give me good information. I just love it, you guys. Y'all are doing such a great job. Well, thank you so much. And and again, that gives the learner the confidence that, for instance, in the last question, if the question wasn't about the high pressure system, if it was about the intermediate, well, they've also learned some information from that question. We're not into memorizing. We're not into memorizing stuff. We're into an understanding. Application. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good stuff. What can you take to your practice today? Well, well, guys, as we kind of wrap up here and bring it to a close, why don't you tell our listeners who obviously every CRNA out there is going to need what you guys are providing here. One, tell them how to get in contact with you. Tell them about your podcast, how they can they can listen to you guys, and hopefully they will. And then we'll wrap up and let you guys enjoy your evening. Oh, we got to do the lightning round before we let them go. (laughs) Oh, we're not going to let them off that easy, Sharon. Okay. Uh, All right. Just making sure we're seeing eye to eye, my Jeremy. (laughs) Oh, we're looking forward to that. No, and Sharon and Jeremy, thank you so much for having us on. For your listeners who are are listening to this podcast, um, if you're interested in learning more, just go to apexlive.com. You can see all the conferences we have. You can click on the podcast. You can listen to our podcasts. It's on Apple Podcasts. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, you can find it. Apex Live. Check this. Yeah. And, and again, apexlive.com backslash podcast. And you can enter your email and get. The, we'll send you the checklists. Nice. You know, we, SAS and I, we created this with Apex, the CPC review course, because CRNAs, they were telling us that they value what we have, and they want to share it with others. And the content and techniques that we're sharing, we want them to be able to use that in their, the CRNAs in their day-to-day practice. You know, we, we absolutely 100% care about CRNA education. 
We want to provide effective learning and relearning. SAS mentioned dust out the cobwebs 100%. You know, let's dust them out. Let's bring all that stuff you learned into the forefront. And uh, again, that's apexlive.com. Great. You know, I will say when I'm listening to you guys, it does niggle my brain a little bit. Go, oh my God, yes, I do remember that. Sure. So it does. What it's just bringing it forward. What was that word? Bringing it forward. I love it, Sharon. I love it. I don't even know what that was. It does. <laughs> Shut up, Jeremy. <laughs> no, my Jeremy, not you, Jeremy. <laughs> All right, All right. We we're going to the light and rain. Favorite time. Here we go. <laughs> All right, go um, I'm first. You, I'll let you go first. You let me go first today. So. Okay. All right. So, Sass, if you could have dinner with someone alive or dead, who would it be? You know, I, I, I thought about this, and I think Albert Einstein. I really enjoy being around people that don't do what we do, but have such an amazing knowledge about other things that I don't know a lot about, I would be intrigued to have dinner with him. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. All right, Jeremy, I'm going to let you take this one. If you could have another profession, what would it be? And and you know what? I'm envisioning, I'm just going to tell you before you even do it, you know the guy that takes the stick of fire and sticks it down his throat? For some reason... (laughs) I don't know why, but I envision you doing that. I, I mean, that's just oh my, my gosh. That's okay. good. Jeremy, you're you're close, man. You are close. <laughs> if I could have another profession, what would it be? I will tell you. I would straight up love to be a lead guitarist in a rock band. Sweet. Like, oh yeah. No, like Guns N' Roses. There you go. Uh, oh man, I would I would Rose. love to get up there and just yeah. jam on a guitar. I don't know. I don't know how to play guitar. I'm learning guitar right now. I don't know how to play it really, but I would absolutely love to jam on a guitar up on stage. I love 100%. It. I love it. That's awesome. And and stick fire down my throat at the same time. <laughs> hey, you could be like a, you could be like Kiss, you know. He's got a new career lined up already. So fast. What is your favorite song? Rock You Like a Hurricane by the Scorpions. Oh. It's a good one. That is a good one. Oldie, but a goodie. Rocky, like, that's, that's a great one. All right, Jeremy, one more for you here. Who's your hero? Okay, I'm going to go I'm gonna go with two heroes. Number one, Bruce Lee. Mm-hmm. Okay, number one, Bruce Lee. There's two reasons why. One, he was amazing. He only lived till 32. He developed a new kung fu. Also, and this is a lesser known fact, he was a philosopher. Huh. And I don't know if you guys know that. I didn't know he that. was a, a very proficient philosopher. He was very much into that. And if you ever read any of his stuff, it's it's very deep and it just sings to me. It just makes sense with him. My next person, Teddy Roosevelt. Hmm. That guy was oh, yeah. that guy was seriously awesome. Yeah. I love Teddy Roosevelt and I love everything he talked about. And the national parks that he saved and just, I mean, the guy got shot and then went up and gave a speech. I don't know. Yeah, that's right. That's right. right. I don't know how you can beat that. And I love his man in the ring quote. I was going to say. Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. The man in the arena. I I have that quote on my wallet. 
Yep. It's on the front of my cards that I send to legislators, actually. Yep. I love it, Sharon. I love it. That's so, right. We all got to get in the arena, Sharon, right? Yes. Some of yes. us are going to do it by, you know, being lead guitarist for a rock band. <laughs> <laughs> and some of us are going to do it by going back to school to go to Yale, right, Sharon? Oh, God. <laughs> There Listen, go. I still You're have done. PTSD. It's over. <laughs> it's over. You're done. Uh, guys, this has been absolutely a wonderful time. And, uh, you know, I, I, you know, Sharon brought you guys to, to my attention. And uh, I, I tell you, you guys are awesome. You rock. I love what you're doing. Uh, you're helping the CRNA community. You both are extremely passionate. And it shows you, you have such a great demeanor together. And, yeah, I just wish you all the luck in the world, and I can't wait to meet you both in person. Thank you so much. It was our pleasure speaking with you guys. Yeah. So sure, Jeremy, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Well, as we conclude here, anything you guys want to kind of conclude on and get across to our audience? Well, uh, we always end on our podcast with, uh, you know, take care, keep ventilating, and we'll see you soon. All right. I love it. Well, Sharon, I think that's a wrap. I think so. Well, if you like our podcast and want to know more, one, we want to thank you for listening. And two, Sharon, where can they learn a little bit more about us? Oh, well, we have a we have our own website, Beyond the Mass Podcast. But, you know, we just want you to tell all your friends about us. Like, share, subscribe, because we're in the top 50 medical podcasts in the country, and we want to be where my jeremy well sharon wants to always say the top 10 and i say we're going to number one baby yes we are all right until next time it's a wrap as a crna you spend years preparing yourself for this career so we don't want to see you lose out on any of the income you've worked so hard to earn the best way to protect yourself and give you the confidence that a major life event won't disrupt your financial future is through disability insurance we've known disability income specialist robert smith for many years and have seen the work he's done with nearly 2,000 crnas over multiple decades he can help identify any gaps in your existing coverage and fill those gaps by finding the best value on a policy. Contact Robert and let him know you heard about him on our podcast. Send him an email at rsmithjr at financialguide.com. That's rsmithjr at financialguide.com. Or call him at 504-394-6557. Protect your greatest asset as a CRNA, yourself and your ability to earn a living by adding disability insurance to your financial plan. Today's show is brought to you by the folks at CRNA Financial Planning, an independent consulting firm that offers financial planning services exclusively to CRNAs and their families. From planning for a child's future college expenses to building a predictable income stream in retirement, the firm is committed to offering you comprehensive financial services, customized to fit your unique needs and objectives. If you have questions about your financial future, get them answered. Call the team at 855-304-3748. That's 855-304-3748. Or go online to crnafinancialplanning.com.
Hi, this is Jackie Rolls, President of the International Federation of Nurse Anesthetists and President and Founder of Our Hearts, Your Hands, a global anesthesia support community that takes donations to allow nurse anesthetists in low and middle income countries to go to educational programs, buy equipment, or textbooks. Your donations are tax deductible, and we would appreciate your support. OSA EMR is a free anesthesia EMR developed by CRNAs that you can download and use on an iPad. Our nonprofit mission is to make sure that solo and small practice CRNAs can digitally record their anesthetics. To learn more, visit OSAEMR.com to download and consider donating to our cause. Remember, for CRNAs, data is destiny. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere you like to listen to shows. Also, be sure to check out beyondthemaskpodcast.com. Each episode is posted there with a corresponding blog post, and we timestamp important parts of the episode to help you quickly get to the content you're looking for. Also, check out the special series section on the site. You can follow along and catch up on the CRNA History Series, episodes specifically about political conversations in the industry, or try the CRNA Personal Finance Series. It's all on beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And if you have a question for the show or want to be a guest or even suggest a particular topic, fill out the contact form on the site or send an email directly to us at info at beyondthemaskpodcast.com. And lastly, let's take the conversation social. Check out our Beyond the Mask podcast Facebook page and Facebook group.